Will you pray with me, please? Lord, open our hearts this morning that we might see your Son as your gift to us. Lord, that we might understand the work that he was put on this earth to do, the will of you, the Father, Lord, and that we might understand even more how we are called to participate in that work. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her jar and went away into town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. This is the setting that John gives us in his gospel for a profound conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. And in this conversation, he gives the disciples a glimpse under the surface at what is going on. The disciples at this point are new. We're only in the, the fourth chapter of John's gospel. They're new to this whole thing. And so Jesus takes this moment in between this conversation with this woman and then what she's doing in the town, even as they speak, he takes this moment to teach his disciples and to give them this glimpse just below the surface of who he is and, and what exactly it is that he's doing and how they are called to participate in it. But this conversation that he begins with his disciples, it doesn't get off to a great start. If you want to open your Bibles, we're in John's Gospel and we're going to be looking at this lengthy gospel passage, but we're only going to focus on the second half, this conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. So if you want to pick back up with me at verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? This is a theme that John is picking up on, a theme of missed connections. It begins back in chapter 2 when Jesus is speaking to the Jews after um, upsetting, we'll say, the, the temple system, overturning tables, driving people out, causing a bit of a stir. In chapter 2, verse 18, the Jews said to Jesus, What sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? Missed connection. Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a teacher of the Jews. And in the, the cover of darkness, he comes to learn from the light of the world. And in their conversation, Jesus answers him, saying, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And in our reading with the conversation with the Samaritan woman, in verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. 
And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? So the disciples are in good company, and their misunderstanding of what Jesus is saying. Verse 32, Jesus says to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And the disciples say to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? See, Jesus is, he's wearied, but he's not distracted. Right? He's thirsty, but he has not lost his focus. And in his conversation with the Samaritan woman, he cuts across societal norms. Right? She's a woman. She's a Samaritan. And she's a woman of ill repute. She has a bit of a reputation in her town. And Jesus is alone at the well with her. And he strikes up a conversation. And this conversation has such a profound effect on this woman that when the disciples show up in their stunned silence that, that their teacher would engage in this conversation, the woman leaves her watering jug, leaves the well, and goes back to the town that has cast her out. Goes back right to the center of that town and begins to ask questions. Could this be, could this be the Christ? And it's in this moment that Jesus teaches his disciples. And he teaches them three things that I want us to look at today. Read verse 34 with me. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. This is the first thing that Jesus has to teach his disciples. Jesus explains that his food is to accomplish that which he has been sent to do. Now the question is, is Jesus saying that we, uh, in our pursuit of the kingdom of God, are to set aside even our most fundamental needs, food and water, that we're to cast those aside as we seek, like Jesus, to further the kingdom of God? Well, no. That's, that's not what Jesus is saying here. Instead, Jesus is giving us insight into who he is by telling us what exactly it is that makes him tick. Jesus is saying that what gives him life is to give eternal life. Back at verse 10 in his conversation with the woman, he says, If you knew the gift of God, and if you knew who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. If you knew the gift of God, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and if you knew who it is to which you are speaking now, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Well, then you would know to ask for what I have to give to you. Jesus is telling the Samaritan woman that he is something much more than a wearied and thirsty Jewish man. In John chapter 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. This is the first thing that Jesus wants his disciples to hear. He's saying that what gives him life is to give eternal life because he is life. The gift of God is the Son of God. The second thing that he has for them, he, he explains that because of his work, 
Because of what he is doing, the harvest is here. The delay below, between sowing and reaping is gone. Verse 35. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. What's he saying here? What is he telling them? He's saying the wait is over. He's saying the Messiah is here. There's a new season upon the world. No longer must there be labor and toil without the reward to come. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, in the book of the prophet Amos in the Old Testament. When the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows the seed, the mountains shall drip sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. The mountains shall drip wine. No longer is there a delay from the planting of the seed of the grape until the fruit of the grape can be enjoyed. No, the mountains themselves will flow with the sweet wine. It will flow off the mountain. No longer is there a delay between sowing and reaping. That is what is happening now, Jesus says to his disciples. He is doing the will of the Father. He is sowing truth, and he is reaping eternal life. It's exactly what just took place with this Samaritan woman at the well, isn't it? And now, through her, even while Jesus is talking to his disciples in the nearby town, that's exactly what is taking place through this woman. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And this is the second thing he has for his disciples to hear. Jesus is saying that a new age has come when the mountains drip with wine because the delay and the reward of growing is gone. Because the gift of God is now being given. What is sown will immediately give its reward because he is both sower and reaper. The gift of God is the Son of God doing the will of God. And the third thing that Jesus has for his disciples, he invites them. He invites them into the work that he has begun. Verse 38, if you're reading along. Jesus says, I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Did you catch? He said others, plural. What does he mean, others? Of course, of course he means himself, right? He is the one who is sowing and reaping. But Jesus has planted faith and life into that woman just now. And she has left her watering jug at the well so that she might now go and plant that same seed of eternal life into others, into the very town that cast her out, into the very town that told her that she could only come to the well in the heat of the day by herself when nobody else was around. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Verse 39, we see what happens because of this woman. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. 
He told me all that I ever did. Then in verse 41, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. This is the labor of the disciples. As the people of this town are now coming to meet Jesus at the well, Jesus tells his disciples, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes. Look and see the people as they come to you. See that the fields are white for harvest. This is the third thing that Jesus has for his disciples to hear today. He says, Jesus Jesus is saying that the work of the disciples is to sow so that others may reap and to reap what others have sown, starting with Christ himself, so that we might see eternal life. See, the gift of God is the Son of God doing the will of God and inviting us to participate in it with him. I want you to think just for a moment about that statement. Think about the work of the Son. Think about the will of the Father and where that will take the Son. Because it leads him straight to the cross. It costs him his life, and yet his life is to give life. Because he is the bread of life. And when we come to this table to receive, we are coming to participate in the life that he has given. To take the bread that he is and to receive it ourselves, and to participate with him in the work of God. Because the gift of God is the Son of God doing the will of God and inviting us to participate with him in it. Friends, that is a beautiful picture. That's a beautiful picture of hope and of joy, and I I pray that it strikes you today. I pray that it strikes you in a new way that we might see the fullness of what Jesus is doing in this moment and that we might see that same fullness in our lives and we might recognize the gift it is to participate with him and the bestowing of life to those around us. Amen.